Hi, and welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. I'm this week's host, Marie Archway. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made Western Civilization, for good or for ill. Today's episode takes place in the late Roman Republic. Here's a glimpse of what's happening in Rome in about 69 BC. Rome is sitting pretty on a lot of new territory. The Republic covers all of Italy and Greece. North Africa is starting to spread into what is now France, uh, Spain, and Germany. The Republic is facing a few problems right now. A few civil wars recently broke out between Marius and Sola, and many people died, and a lot of people are still pretty mad about the outcomes of those civil wars. Also, there are too many qualified people running for the office of consul. You would think that's a good thing. The consulship in Rome is kind of like the modern United States president. Two elected consuls lead their own people, uh, mostly for war things, but also for civic activities. They make laws sometimes. Um, They manage the affairs of the state, and they hold office for a year's time. Before becoming consuls, candidates have to become governors, praetors, first. And with all the new territory, there's an increase of praetors and more people who can run for the consulship. In addition, instead of using the typical year of consulship, people are extending their consulships for two years, three years. So less people also get to be consul. And the position becomes a lot more competitive. Now let's talk about Catiline. Lucius Sergius Catiline was a noble who wanted what anyone in Rome at this time would want. Power! Catiline got roped into a plot with his friend Piso in an attempt to kill both consuls and a number of senators so that they could take over some territory in Spain, get lots of money, be real nice. The day came when their plot and their dreams would be realized. Catiline, Piso, and one other walked into the Senate house with the intent to kill them all, or a lot of them. Uh, But Catiline messed it up royally and gave the assassination signal too early. And not enough people had gathered to storm the Senate House, so nothing happened. This would not be the first time Catiline did something sketchy to get power. A little while later, Catiline decided that he wanted to run for consul. And he was going to take the consulship the old-fashioned way, by being elected. Catiline runs on the grounds of canceling all debt for everyone. And that sounds like a very charitable thing, but it appears that the biggest beneficiaries of this new law he was going to pass would be his nobleman friends that were helping him run. Now this would all be well and good to run for consul legally, but Catiline also did a few very under-the-table things. Catiline and a few of his friends made a blood pact essentially pledging to help Catiline win the consulship no matter what. And in return, 
This is a quote from Salas, the historian, who writes most of the Catiline conspiracy. Catiline promised, quote, clean slates, prescription of the wealthy, i.e. killing the wealthy, priesthoods, plunder, everything else that war and the caprice of victors can offer. He was going to bribe all of his friends to help him win, and they were going to do it, by golly. Let's talk about Catiline's friends really quick. Uh, we have Piso, who we mentioned earlier, who tried to kill the consuls before, and he has also, according to Salas, quote, need of funds and an evil character. There is also Autronius, who wanted to be a consul again after one of the dictators retired. And there's also Curious, who's another conspirator who makes very bad decisions. Curious told his girlfriend, Fulvia, about the conspiracy and the whole swearing a blood oath to help Catiline be consul. And with all the conspiracy stuff, he became, Curious became worse of a boyfriend. According to Sallust, he was no longer in her favor because his limited time and resources had made him less generous, end quote. That's important for all you kids to remember, that... Being in a conspiratorial plot can really have an effect on your relationships. Anyway, Fulvia was a little bit concerned about all this sketchy behavior, and she told everyone about Catiline's sketchy under-the-table deals before the election, and it is not very surprising to learn that Catiline did not win the election for the consulship in the year 69, but instead, his opponent, Cicero, won the consulship. Uh, just as a note about Cicero, Cicero is a very famous orator, politician, lawyer, uh, philosopher from this time period. He's really renowned for giving amazing speeches, and it is pretty, pretty clear that he would win. He also has a a reputation for being honest and upright and representing everything good about the Roman Republic. So between him and the guy making blood oaths, it it seems pretty obvious that, that uh, Cicero would win that one. And Catiline was pretty mad about losing. And so he went to the time-honored tradition of being a sore loser and planning an assassination and also a takeover of Rome. This was Catiline's plan. Number one, kill the consul, Cicero. Number two, kill a lot of citizens. Number three, set fire to Rome. Number four, to swoop in with the army of brigands you gathered and save the day. After losing the election, Catiline gets his band of buddies together, and he hires a bunch of disgruntled soldiers who lost the Civil War, and they make another plan to kill Cicero. Uh, Catiline also tries to get a Gaelic tribe called the Allobroges to help with the plan to take over Rome. They decide not to do that. Probably a good plan. Uh, they also 
Catiline and friends also recruit a considerable number of robbers to be a part of their army in the takeover of Rome. So, the plan was, Catiline and a few of his friends were going to visit the house of Cicero on the grounds of doing a ceremony, and then, quote from Sallust, stab Cicero unprepared in his house, end quote. Pretty open and shut plan. But Cicero, through Fulvia, and her hatred of Curious, her bad boyfriend, knew that plot, and he was not stabbed unprepared in his house. Instead, the consuls and senate started working together to raise defenses against Catiline's impending attack. They even went so far as to protect the city from fire and the arson that was going to happen pretty soon. Now, this is how sneaky Catiline is. Catiline went to the Senate House before launching the attack, even though there was quite a bit of evidence floating around Rome that he was planning something very violent and full of fire and war. Catiline still thought that he could clear his name to the Senate and get off scotch-free and everyone would be fine. Cicero, the current consul, the orator, gives one of the greatest scathing speeches of all time to Catiline's face in front of the entire Senate. This is what Cicero says. When, O oh Catiline, do you mean to cease abusing our patience? How long is it that madness of yours still to mock us? When is there to be an end of that unbridled audacity of yours, swaggering about as it does now? Shame on the age and on its principles. The Senate is aware of these things. The Consul sees them. And yet this man lives. Lives. Aye, he comes even into the Senate. He takes a part in public deliberations. He is watching and marking down and checking off for slaughter every individual among us. And we, gallant men that we are, think that we are doing our duty to the Republic if we keep out of the way of his frenzied attacks. Now, that's, that's some pretty powerful stuff right there. Uh, Cicero is basically, first he says to Catiline, How dare you have the guts to walk into this Senate chamber? You know what you did. And the second part of that is to the Senate, which is mostly shocked. He's, Cicero is very shocked that the Senate, they think that they're heroes because they're they're just trying to keep out of the way and lay low from Catiline's attacks. After hearing this speech and being shouted at by literally the whole Senate, Catiline ran to his house and tried to make his plan a little more successful. Now, for the next little while, Catiline and his army are basically chased all over Italy. They lose the first battle uh, between Catiline and the, the Roman army, and they lose it pretty pretty bad, so it's just constantly shrinking, and not a lot of people are helping. And Cicero and that tribe that didn't want to help Catiline uh, gets help from the Allobroges, and they find out Catiline's movements and 
various other things about his plan. Eventually, Catiline and his last two legions end up trapped between a mountain and the Roman army. And they fight, and they fight, and they fight until Catiline and all of the robbers and various soldiers and people who defected and followed him all died on the battlefield, Catiline himself being impaled. Uh, Sallust uh, writes about the ending of this battle, and this is the ending of his Catiline conspiracy uh, documentation. He says, Still the army of the Roman people did not attain a joyful or bloodless victory. The most energetic fighters had either been killed in the battlefield or had returned gravely wounded. Furthermore, many came from the camp to visit the field, and when they rolled over the enemy corpses, they discovered now a friend, now a guest, or a relative. Likewise, there were those who recognized political opponents. And so, through the entire army, men were moved in different ways to joy, sorrow, grief, and happiness. Now that is a very sad and profound quote. And that even though, like many Romans, were very happy that Rome was not burned down and that the Republic wasn't destroyed completely by people who wanted power, it's still a sad thing to watch the people around us um, fall victim to dangerous philosophies or dangerous men who will lead them with bad principles. And even though it is technically a victory for Rome, it is still so sad that there was a, enough division between the people that they would end up warring with their own neighbors, brothers, friends, relatives, etc. And if there's one little moral takeaway, there's, there's a lot in this story. And in the historical context, uh, this... These events are very important for the future molding of Rome, and they set up actually a lot of interesting stuff for Julius Caesar to deal with later. He is pretty, he's younger at this time, but, and not terribly involved in this whole series of events. But if I could leave one thing with you, listener, is that when you know bad things are happening, it's your responsibility to tell people. Like how Fulvia told the Romans about the plot, and how Cicero tells people in the Senate to shape up and to not deal with sketchy people doing sketchy things. One of the best ways we can be citizens in our own republic and protect one another is by telling others what we see. Thank you for listening today. It's been a joy having you. 
and I hope to see you next time. And as always, if you would like to learn more about the Catiline Conspiracy or Rome in general, I recommend reading Sallust, Catiline's Conspiracy, The Jugurthine Wars, Histories, translated by William W. Batstone. I also recommend Roman Civilization, Selected Readings, The Republic, and the Augustan Age, um, edited by Naftali Lewis and Mayer Reinhold. Um, to learn more about Cicero and read his entire speech, uh, you can go to perseus.tufts.edu. And as always, thank you for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you next time.